It's Thursday, January 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio, the fearless Abby Mallon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got uh, we got a couple of the Fang stocks. We've got Facebook. We've got Microsoft. We're going to start with Tesla, though, because shares of Tesla up 10%. Fourth quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. <laughs> How much of this is is short selling? I know that there is some level of short selling. Why someone would short Tesla is beyond me. But um, how much of what we're seeing today is short sellers saying, "I'm out." Yeah. So what you're mentioning there is that short squeeze, right? Someone yeah. shorted this. The stock has gone up significantly, and now they're like, "Oh no, gotta get out. Gotta <laughs> cut my losses here." I agree with you. I'm not quite sure why anyone would choose to short the stock. We've seen sort of a um, History of being, I would say, almost irrational. I don't think the stock trades in a predictable manner relative to um, performance indications leading to stock price movements. But I think in this case, we're really seeing Tesla hit this key inflection point. So um, earnings positive consistently, and also cash cash flow positive. So um, management does expect that positive gap net income. Should continue going forward, but they also made this sort of um, tangential response that there is a temporary exception around the launch and ramp of new products, which seems like it's constantly in a launch and ramp of new products for Tesla. So um, something to be aware of. But I think that cash flow metric is really going to be um, the key point for this thesis because I mean. I think historically you've seen a lot of analysts doubt Tesla's ability to have enough funding to uh, proceed, and I think that was a, a fair critique, right? But um, management does say that they now believe the business has grown to the point of being self-funding, and they now have a cash balance of about six point three billion. Cash flow for the quarter was about a billion, so um, all positive metrics and really actually quite impactful for Tesla's business going forward. Yeah, it was an interesting moment on the call where essentially institutional investors were saying, are you sure you don't want to raise some money right now because you're right. in a better position financially and so therefore right. you could get more favorable terms? And Musk was basically like, no. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I think also the thing to keep in mind is this doesn't this company doesn't necessarily have a management team that is um, by any means conservative, so they set very <laughs> you laugh. They set very aggressive targets, and no, that was just a wonderful understatement. Right. I mean, they set very aggressive targets and routinely miss them, right? And sort of miss them not just marginally, but pretty catastrophically, I would say. So, um, I don't know necessarily that their confidence is the end-all, be-all, but it is certainly a change of pace. Uh, I want to get to the stock in just a second, but they also mentioned they're going to have an Investor Day event in April centered entirely around batteries. Uh, other than the fact that that's going to happen, I didn't see any color on that. I don't know if they shared more on that. What should investors uh, look for in the battery part? Because obviously, the, this is one of those companies where the thing you can't take your eyes off of is the CEO, and then it's the vehicles. Right. But the battery part of the business could be a huge driver. And I'm curious, when you look at this business, how do you think about the battery part of the business? Absolutely. So I think Tesla does have an advantage around their batteries. So um, they do have the long range batteries, electric drivetrains, and sort of a ubiquitous charging network. So 
I don't think that advantage is going to last forever, certainly, but in the short to medium term, where people are making sort of purchasing decisions off of range distance, Tesla certainly has an advantage. They now have 15,000 fast charging stalls worldwide and or yeah, worldwide, and 99% of the US population lives within 150 miles of one of them. So, that's a pretty powerful network when you think about the initial um, barrier to entry for someone buying an electric vehicle. That is really a, a game changer. The stock is now somewhere in the neighborhood of $640 a share. <laughs> it has more than doubled over the past year. Bonkers. It, I mean, it's up 50% in the last month. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even sure what I want to ask here. I mean, it, it, it seems, as someone who does not own this stock, this seems like a crazy time to buy this stock when it, the market cap is $115 billion. And right. as you said, the stock's up 50% in a month. Right. I would agree with that. I think, again, it goes back to this being sort of a key inflection point for them. And it is really a thesis changer. I think long term, that market cap might not seem so extreme over the next 20 years, right? But um, they're talking about scaling from making about 350,000 vehicles annually to millions. And so, without a doubt, it's going to create lumpiness, right? So, um, management says they feel like they're going to be able to comfortably exceed 500,000 next year. I'm not quite sure that I fully believe that. And I think there will be opportunistic points if and when management fails to achieve said targets. Let's move on to Facebook. Fourth quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. And that's fine, but costs are also going up and margins are getting squeezed. Shares of Facebook are down around six, seven percent today. Is they made a lot of money this quarter. I'm wondering first, not that we're short-term investors, but this strikes me as a little bit of an overreaction. Not that I'm surprised that it's selling off. I'm just surprised that it's selling off seven percent. Is it an overreaction, right. or or are the is the margin picture for Facebook right now? Does it warrant this kind of sell-off? Right. Andy Cross, chief investment officer, and I were talking about this this morning, and he put it really succinctly, I think, where he said, Facebook is really the curse of its own success. So, you saw good growth, matched expectations, just maybe not as great as the past, and the market is you know, having this reaction, which I think a little bit unfair, I would agree. I think you have to remember that most of the market is in short-term thinking. So, for long-term investors, maybe this is an opportunity. I think short-term, um, you are going to see some pressure in the short-term, right? Uh, they mentioned business maturity, which is pretty much no- nothing you ever want to read from management. Um, impacts of global privacy regulation and, quote, other ad-targeting-related headwinds. So. Um, some concerning things. And just think about the sort of time in which we're living. It's 2020, it's an election year. Last election, that was a lot of controversy for Facebook, a lot of negative attention. I don't think that's necessarily, I mean, I would like to believe this business is in a better position than it was before, but I think the scrutiny is even higher. So um, they have a lot to prove this year for sure. I think Mark Zuckerberg has been fairly criticized for some of the things he has said, some of his reactions, particularly when he's across the river up on Capitol Hill. I don't, and I'm not suggesting that people are criticizing him for what I'm about to say, but um, but the stock is selling off as a result of it. I don't think you can criticize him for the fact that they're spending more money. Because he's been pretty clear over the last couple of years, particularly on conference calls, about 
using the word investment and right. talking about how we know we need to do a better job. We are going to invest accordingly. You know, so the fact that costs and expenses in 2019 were about 50 percent higher than they were in 2018. That really shouldn't come as a big shock to anyone. Right. I would agree with that. I also think there's a lot to be optimistic about with Facebook. So um, they are investing heavily in R&D, specifically around that augmented reality field. And it's very clear that Facebook really wants to be a key player in that space. So right now it's Facebook and Apple. Um, I think you're going to see opportunities for Facebook, particularly within that gaming space. I also think there's opportunities around the payment space. So um, Libra, which has kind of been a lackluster launch, but I think it's going to take about two to three years to clarify that sort of opportunity. But even um, non-Libra payment tools across WhatsApp and Instagram, I think those will be pretty impactful going forward. So, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about with Facebook. I just also think that this, in contrast to maybe Tesla's management team, this is a pretty conservative management team, and they tend to be um, pretty straightforward in how they deliver messages. So, I don't think that... I think the market is maybe overreacting, but Perhaps not if you are a short-term investor. Microsoft's second quarter profits came in much higher than expected. Microsoft, <laughs> and we talked the other day about Apple and their enormous quarter. Um, Microsoft, thirty-seven billion in revenue <laughs> in the quarter, and just like shares of Tesla today, uh, shares of Microsoft are hitting an all-time high. Absolutely. I mean, it's really fascinating to look at Microsoft, which is a $1.3 trillion company that has somehow found this path to growth that is large enough to significantly change the trajectory for the business. So, um, just in the law of large numbers, doing what Microsoft has done, which was 14% growth in revenue over the past year, that's actually phenomenal, right? That's incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems like pretty recently we were in the studio talking about, wow, Microsoft. Became a trillion dollar company, and you know Apple became a, a one trillion dollar company. Well, now Apple's at one point four trillion. <laughs> Microsoft's at one point three. That you know Microsoft shares up about sixty percent over the last twelve months. Is the and I know a lot of what drove Microsoft in the quarter, or certainly what's driving the headlines behind their quarter, is their continued growth in cloud. Their Azure business doing really well. Is the cloud is the total addressable market when it comes to cloud computing growing? Uh, I, because it seems like they're doing well in cloud. Um, after the bell today, we'll get Amazon's latest results, and, and we'll see how they're doing. But certainly, AWS, you know, Amazon's cloud business has been doing well. We've seen that from the major tech companies. Um, is the pond getting bigger? It's you know, or is it simply, or is what's happening in cloud? What we've seen happen in digital advertising over the last couple of years, where it's basically all of the growth. Is being swallowed up by Google and Facebook. Fair question. So IDC estimates that um, public cloud spending is expected to reach about 500 billion by 2023, and that was up from about 230 billion in 2019. So the pond is getting bigger. Um, with that being said, Azure is not the number one player. The number one player is Amazon Web Services with about 48% market share, and Microsoft is believed to be the second with about 15.5% market share. With that being said, I think the really positive momentum for Microsoft is that um, Microsoft is growing much faster. So, Azure revenue growth was up 62% this year. And when you think about what fundamentally that business is, 
it's a much more attractive business than the traditional licensing of software. Um, they charge on a use case basis, which makes sense, right? So, um, as people continue to use the cloud more and more, they're going to continue to charge more and more. But the upfront barrier to entry for a lot of these companies is pretty low. So, I mean, Microsoft does work with 90% of the Fortune 500 companies. Um, it's a very flexible platform. It's very accessible. I think Azure is going to be the the game changer for Microsoft long term. And for as big as the company is, for all of its success, it just does not seem to have the image problem on Capitol Hill that Facebook, Amazon, and Alphabet have, um, which is wonderful if you're Microsoft. It's a little bizarre to think about 20 years ago when Microsoft was public enemy number one, you know, in terms of right, big tech right. companies. But they just don't have. Uncle Sam breathing down their necks the way you know nobody's really pounding the table like Microsoft's got to be broken up. Absolutely, I think part of it is maybe um, a lot of the negative scrutiny has been focused around the digital advertising space um, and just sort of the very personal impacts that those those companies have. So Microsoft doesn't exactly play into that space in the same way. So I think they've sort of missed a lot of the backlash. So let's wrap up with this because these are three stocks that you own. I don't. Which of the three is the most attractively priced right now? I mean, we've got Tesla and Microsoft hitting new all-time highs today. We have Facebook selling off maybe a little bit more than it should. Does one of these three Seem more attractive than the other two just today. I think As, assuming your think your time frame is, I'm looking to hold this for ten years. I think looking to hold for ten years, I would certainly say that Microsoft right now is the most attractive to me. I think um, we talked a lot about that Azure growth. I think when you look at the business from a you know financial statements perspective, you're going to see margins move significantly as Azure continues to generate a growing portion of overall revenues. Um, certainly, Microsoft is my one to watch. Abby Mallon, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.